Hey, Westwood family, it's Pastor Kenneth here, and I am just grateful to God for 40 years of celebrating God's faithfulness. For four decades, our church has been seeking to make much of Jesus, both here and all over the world. On January the 4th, 1981, a small group of people met in the heart of Alabaster with the dream of planting a church. We were part of a mission team out of another church that tried to start a little church in Deer Springs. And no matter what we did, it was failing. We were learning a lot and being prepared for something, but it wasn't there. And so we decided to close it. And through God making some changes in one way or the other, we found out that there was a church available, actually a block behind my house. And we just, more as a joke the first day, we said, we'll buy that church and we'll start one over there and we'll get as a matter of fact, get Daryl Collins to come down and do a music because he was a friend of ours. And we'll just start a new church. What started is a, a literally a joke for once. By the next Sunday, we were holding a meeting. Daryl had decided to come. Our pastor from over there was our first pastor here. And Westwood was started just that quick. I was doubtful about it because I thought it was going to fail. And my problem was lack of faith. That first service... I was humbled, overwhelmed with the knowledge that God was in charge, not us. We held our first service, no advertisement, nothing to anybody. And lo and behold, the church was packed to the walls with people. I would wish that you could have been there too. The Holy Spirit was moving through the community and hardened unbelievers were getting saved. We baptized every Sunday for a full year in that first year. And if that can't get you excited, nothing can get you excited. We felt like we were part of that New Testament church, sharing, caring, loving. It was awesome. God met every need. If it had to fall out of heaven, was somebody coming up that we didn't know and bringing us something? We literally had people giving their wedding rings, engagement rings, and a good friend brought in an almost new boat, pulled it up at the door one day and said, bass boat, said, sell it. I mean, there was total sacrifice, no matter what it was, how little, how big. If we prayed and we asked God and we did what he told us to do, it was there when we needed it. If I could transcend myself back to 1981, I would say, you are not going to believe what's going to happen. Westwood is going to relocate. We're going to go across I-65, behind Walmart, and into the woods. Who would have thought it? Alabaster is going to change. It's going to grow. And Westwood is going to grow with it. It's awesome. And you're going to have a great journey. Little could they ever imagine that four decades later, the church would be used by God to reach thousands of people with the gospel. Thousands of people would be baptized. By God's grace, our church has sent out missionaries and church planters all over the world. Currently having missionaries serve in Central America, South America, and Africa. We also sent out church planters to establish churches not only over in Atlanta, but also in Calera and in Montevallo. God has been so kind in showing favor upon our faith family. Westwood has impacted our lives in ways that are far too numerable to even count. We have the most excellent in preaching. 
first of all. We are taught the Word from the Word. It's expository. It's practical. It's truth. I'm confident in what I'm hearing is the Word that I need to receive. We have grown in our faith. We have grown in our knowledge of the Lord and in our experience with Him. My favorite part about being part of Westwood is we have so many members who invest in families. From the time that we first started attending Westwood, we instantly felt welcomed. From the moment that we walked through the doors, we were greeted with smiles. Whenever our family began to grow, our children's ministry poured into our children and our lives alike to make sure that our needs as a young, growing family were being met. We have watched our children grow over 22 years. I remember taking them to the nursery for the first time. And I remember when they walked across that stage when they graduated from high school and seeing people pour into our children, teaching them, mentoring them, praying for them when times were hard. We love when people still who knew our children when they were young come and ask us about our kids and how they're doing now as they're grown and and live in other places. Our very best friends are here. Whether that's celebrating a birth of a new child, that's being there for those birthday parties, You know, that's celebrating a new job. That could be mourning with those who've lost a family member. That support system is there. And I think that's the biggest way Westwood's impacted my life. There's just this feeling of relaxation like you're at home. And and that is the case. Westwood is home. It's been such an inspiration to us as an entire family. As a result of having the sunshine room, I have a special needs son, Thomas. And that allowed me the opportunity to be able to serve in so many different ways in so many different capacities here at Westwood by being a part of the praise team, drumming for the praise team, singing for the praise team, just knowing that I'm in a place where people really love me and I'm really ready to serve. I know that at the beginning of Westwood, if someone raised their hand in praise, someone right beside them may say, how can I help you? But now... Our music is such that we have transitioned into that. And if you see people with their hands raised, you know that they are praising Jesus. A while back, all the music was about Jesus, about. Now it's to Jesus. And I think music has meant more to me throughout our church than anything else. I am so grateful for our leadership who take a very humble approach to serving the body, genuinely in the trenches, on their knees, praying and serving this church. Specifically, our leadership that's out front and center, our pastors. I've never met more godly men who are eager to roll their sleeves up and get in the muck and the mire of daily life with friends and community just to share the gospel with someone who needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm just so thankful for all of the things that have been done for me and how he's worked in my life and how it's actually made me a better person, a better Christian. It's just been a great opportunity, and I just really appreciate it so much. If I could go back to our founding church members here at Westwood Baptist Church, one thing I would definitely say is thank you. Thank you for your investment. It takes a lot of courage and it takes a fire in a belly to start a church and to stick with it over the long haul. And it's hard. And I walk around here and I see these charter members that I know were here 20 years before I even got here. 
and they are still faithful to this body and they still give everything they got to be here. You and I are sitting in this room, in these seats right now, because God has been faithful, because of the work and the labor of our founding church members here at Westwood. Keep being faithful just like they were, impacting our community and the future for God's glory. It excites me that what we do right now will affect those that are in Westwood 40 years from now. We had a vision 40 years ago to be a lighthouse on the hill bringing people to Jesus. We are, I believe, that lighthouse. We're a part of the community. We draw people to Christ. We see them come. We see them hearing God's word, and we see God blessing them. Thank you for continuing the legacy that we started 40 years ago. For four decades, God has been so kind to our faith family. Today's a day to celebrate and to thank Him for the past, but it's also a day to celebrate and look forward to the future. That God would indeed, by His grace and for His glory, use our church to make much of Jesus. That we don't exist for ourselves. We exist for the sake of the nations and our neighbors, treasuring Jesus above all things. May we be a people who continue to invest in people who will impact their world for Jesus. Let's continue to fix our eyes upon him, to make disciples of all nations, and tell the world the good news about a crucified, risen, reigning, and soon returning king. I love you so much, but Jesus loves you more. We have a gospel to get to the ends of the earth. Let's continue to impact our world for Jesus. Look what God has done. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. God has been so kind that for 40 years, the Lord has allowed our church to be a gospel presence here in the community. For 40 years, we have seen him do incredible things of seeing people come to faith in Christ be baptized, plant churches, send out missionaries, and make disciples. And God has been so kind. And what I'd like to do uh, right now is take just a moment to thank our charter members. And so over here in this section are charter charter members and uh, others who might be scattered throughout the room. If you don't mind, if you're a charter member who helped plant Westwood, would you mind standing so we can honor you? From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for having faith and trusting the Lord and asking him to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. We exist because by God's grace, 40 years ago, you stepped out in faith and said, God, would you do something? And look what he has done. He has been so kind to allow our church to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. 
that we're not a church that exists for us. We're not seeking to build a brand or to make our name great. We're here to make the name of Jesus great. We're here to point anybody as possible, as many people as possible to Jesus, who is the hope of the world. And one of God's good gifts to us as followers of Jesus is to take time to look backwards, to remember where God has been faithful. And when we get to Joshua chapter 4, we see where God does an incredible miracle. And he calls his people to set up a memorial in order to remember his work. Let me show you. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. Today is like today in which it is so good just to thank the Lord for his kindness towards our church. It's good. It's right. It is healthy for us as a faith family to look backwards and remember God's faithfulness. You see, remembering is a spiritual discipline. Recalling how God has worked in the past strengthens our faith for the future. And in Joshua chapter 4, God does something so remarkable that he commands his people to set up a monument so that they won't forget this great work that he has done. Now, God promised to Abraham that through him there would come a nation and that this nation would have a land. Fast forward through Abraham's life to Isaac and to Jacob. God, through the 12 sons of Jacob, sends them down to Egypt. For 400 years, they're in slavery, they're in Egypt. A Pharaoh rises up who doesn't remember Joseph and how God used him to preserve and protect a nation. God raises up a deliverer. Moses. Moses brings God's people. He leads them out of captivity in Egypt and towards the promised land. Well, while they are en route to this new land that God had promised to Abraham, the people disobeyed. And so God judged them by leaving them in the wilderness for 40 years. After that generation died off, it was time for the people of God to now go into the land and possess it. But it wouldn't be Moses who would lead them. Moses dies, and God raises up a new leader, Joshua. Joshua is the man whom God calls to lead his people. But now there is one thing standing between the people of God and them taking the land that he has set aside for them, and it's a rushing river. A river stands between them and the promised land. But it's not just any river. It's the Jordan River. The Jordan River, even to this day, is the primary water source for the entire nation of Israel. Its waters flow off of the snow that is melted off Mount Hermon and runs south along the eastern side of the country. Fresh, cold water flowing for the people to drink, to nourish their plants and their animals. Well, this water in Joshua chapter 3 verse 15, it is running quickly. It's a overflowing the banks. This is a fast-paced river. So crossing the Jordan is a dangerous endeavor. And so God commands Joshua to send the priests into the river with the Ark of the Covenant. As soon as the priest's feet touch the water's edge, the fast-flowing river stops. A wall of water builds up, giving the people dry ground to walk across to the other side. 
Well, the Lord commands Joshua to send 12 men, one from each of the 12 tribes, and he commands them to take 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River and to bring those 12 stones to the other side. Well, the time comes for the people to walk over on dry land, to walk through this riverbed, and they, verse 10, they hurry across, they get to the other side of the Jordan River, and that is where we pick up in verse 14. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him throughout his life as they revered Moses. The Lord told Joshua, command the priests who carry the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up from the Jordan. When the priests carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant came up from the middle of the Jordan and their feet stepped on solid ground, the water of the Jordan resumed its course, flowing over all the banks as before. The people came up, came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and camped at Gilgal on the eastern limits of Jericho. Then Joshua set up in Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken from the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your children ask their fathers, what is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. This is so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. As Israel prepares to take the land of promise, I want you to notice these four things right here in the text. I want you to see first the man of God who leads. The man of God who leads. Joshua had big shoes to fill. He was following Moses who had successfully led God's people out of Egypt. He had led them through the desert for 40 years. He had served as both a priest and a mediator between God and the people. But now Moses was dead and the Lord tagged Joshua as Moses' successor. And so this day that they're about to cross this river is a significant day in Joshua's leadership. Look at verse 14. The text says, on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him throughout his, his life. And as they revered Moses, that day was so significant because the time had come for God to bring his people in the land of promise, and he uses Joshua. The name Joshua, it means the Lord saves. God had appointed Joshua to lead his people. Well, on this day, we see here in the text, as they're marching through the Jordan River, God exalts Joshua, this man of God, for all of Israel to see. And yet this moment is pointing to something bigger. For 1,300 years later, God would send the true and greater Joshua. The New Testament name for Joshua is Jesus. He is the Lord who saves. And he would begin his ministry by going under the baptismal waters of the Jordan River. He came up out of the Jordan and his ministry was launched to seek and to save that which was lost, to call sinners to repentance and to trust in him by faith. You see, Jesus is the man of God who leads and he is the God man who saves. This is who we rally around as followers of Christ, this crucified king who came for us. 
that you and I, on our own, we are broken. Sin, and not only has permeated our hearts, it affects all of us, and the wages of sin is death. But there is good news for God's people. For anybody who turns from their sin and trusts in Jesus by faith, you will be received. God sent his son to die on the cross for people who were broken like us. That Jesus at the cross died in our place so that when we trust in him, we are forgiven of all of our sins. We are washed clean. We are made new. This is what God sent his son to do for us. That in the gospel, he sent his son to go and die on our behalf. And the best news of all, he didn't stay dead. For on the third day, Jesus came back to life. He rose from the dead. And all who trust in him by faith, we too will one day rise from the dead. We are promised victory with Jesus because we are in Jesus by faith. This is what we're holding fast to. You see, Westwood began 40 years ago on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. You see, we don't gather here today to pat ourselves on the back. We're not here to congratulate each other on the great things that we have done. No, 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 no. No, we're here to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ for the great work that he has done. He is the one who shed his blood for his church. He is the one who has saved us. He is the one who is keeping us. He is the one who is sustaining us. He is the one who called us. The church belongs to Jesus. And so anything we revel in today is not for us, but it's for him. It's pointing people to him and the great work that he has done. Westwood is about the glory of King Jesus. And as we move forward as a faith family, let's make sure we're continually shining a spotlight on the Lord Jesus Christ. May our names be forgotten and his name remembered forevermore. You see, the local church isn't about any man except the God-man, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the church. Jesus is the chief shepherd of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the groom of his bride, the church. So we gather not to boast in the great things that we've done, but rather we boast in the great works that Jesus has done because he is the man of God who leads his people. Well, the second thing we see in the text is the miracle of God that stuns the people. With over a million people standing on the banks of this rushing river, you can imagine the parents grabbing the, their toddler's hands. Like, oh my goodness, we're about to cross a river. This is a crazy idea. What is about to happen? How are we going to get to the other side? So the Lord tells Joshua, send the priests into the water. Can you imagine the priests? We signed up for this. Okay, all right, so we'll, we'll, we'll do it, we'll, we'll obey. There they are, and what are they marching with? The Ark of the Covenants, the Ark, this golden box that had been constructed where the presence uh, and the glory of God would rest upon this. If you go back in chapter three, verse 15, it says, as soon as the priests carrying the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge and the water flowing downstream stood still. You see, just as the waters of the Red Sea 40 years earlier had been divided and God's people walked across on dry land, 
now the riverbed of the Jordan is dried up and what some have estimated about 30 miles of dry riverbed so that the people of God can walk across. And once everyone is across, verse 18, the priests carrying the ark walk out of the riverbed. They step out on solid ground and the water of the Jordan comes flowing back in. It's a miracle. It's something only God can do. You see, God loves to display his glory by doing the impossible. God told his people, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you walk across on dry ground. And then he calls them to respond to his word. You see, success in God's eyes requires faithful obedience to his word. That's what success looks like, y'all. The world has lots of different definitions for success. This is God's. You obey my word. Do what I have called you to do. The people of God had to decide, are we going to trust the Lord or not? Let the significance of this moment sink in. See, for these priests, they're required to walk by faith into the rushing river. The people are required to walk by faith across this riverbed. Joshua is required by faith to lead the entire band across this riverbed. The people had no idea what was ahead of them. They didn't know what was coming. They didn't know about what was on the other side, but they trusted the Lord. That's a picture of what happened 40 years ago here in our community. The Lord called a handful of people to step out in faith and to trust him. They didn't know what the future would hold. They didn't know what the other side was going to be, but they trusted the Lord. You see, God loves to show off his glory. He loves to do the impossible. He loves to perform miracles to show his glory. We'll see Jesus, who is the true ark of God, the one who manifests the presence and the glory of God, he passed through the Jordan River. He is the one who came out to fulfill a mission. He came to perform the greatest miracle of all, resurrection, defeat of death. Jesus is the one who comes out of the Jordan with the purpose to seek and to save that which was lost, to call all men to repentance and faith in him. And then he proves the perfect miracle by defeating death itself. And now you and I, when we believe the gospel, we too experience a miracle. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, please understand you have experienced a miracle. God has done the impossible. He's taken former enemies and he's made us friends. He's made those of us who were once hostile to him and we are now in his family. We who once were outside of his family, we've been adopted by his grace You've experienced a miracle. Sometimes I'll, I'll hear people share, man, I have a pretty boring testimony. I, I didn't do anything crazy. I, I didn't go, go, go rogue. Can I say to you, I've never heard of a boring resurrection. You were dead and now you're alive. That is a miracle, something only God can do. And what happened 40 years ago was a miracle. It was something only God can do. Only God can sustain a people for himself. 
And even what we experience here today is a miracle. People from various perspectives and ideologies and political and socioeconomic perspectives and backgrounds, we're all together. We have different skin colors and, and worldviews and understandings of life, and yet we're together in the gospel. We love one another. We forgive one another. We champion one another. We show hospitality to one another. We encourage one another. This is a miracle. This is what God does. God loves to display his glory and his power by doing the impossible. You see, whenever a baby is born, we say, a miracle has just happened. And that's right. That's something only God can do. Well, when a person is born again, it's a miracle. It's something only God can do. Well, when a church is born, it's a miracle. It's something only God can do. You see, the church is a gathering of people who used to be rebels against the Lord, and yet he was kind to us. And by his grace and for his glory, we have believed the gospel. We have covenanted together to make disciples as a faith family. I look at Joshua 4, and I see a miracle, and I'm stunned. And I look across this room, and I see a miracle, and I'm stunned. Look what God has done. Third thing I want you to see here in the text is the memorial of God that teaches the future generations. After the people made it safely to the other side, Joshua gathered the 12 stones that were gathered in the dry riverbed by the men from the 12 tribes of Israel. He sets up a memorial, a landmark, a monument, so that he might be able to teach through this monument, what God has done. Look at verse 21. In the future, when your children ask their fathers, what is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. You see, this marker was a testimony to future generations of what God has done. You see, gathering for such an occasion as this is a reminder to the younger generation in here that we didn't start this. Now, just as Kevin said, we're standing on the shoulders of those who've gone before us. We're, we're not self-made. It's amazing to me to think about those who have labored so that you and I can be here. We didn't start the church. Jesus did. We are not building the church. Jesus is. This is amazing to look back and see his faithfulness to and through his people. The church belongs to Jesus. Jesus died for his bride. He loves his bride. He provides for his bride. He protects his bride. And though his bride can be selfish and unfaithful and we can be imperfect, Jesus still loves his church. And if we do not intentionally remind ourselves of what God has done in the past, we're going to forget. We're going to forget how he has worked. When you fast forward to the next book, the book of Judges, that's what you see over and over. The people forgot the Lord. You see, it's easy for you and I to get spiritual amnesia. We can forget God's faithfulness. And so we have to intentionally set up these markers, days like today, in which we have to remember Last weekend, we just celebrated Memorial Day weekend, a day in which we are telling ourselves, remember what happened. 
Remember there are those who have given their lives for your freedom. See, we put these markers in our lives so that we do not forget. When you go throughout the Old Testament, you see where God instituted these different festivals and uh, celebrations that were to take place every year. Why? To remind the people of what God has done. In fact, even in the creation order, God has given the seventh day as a Sabbath, a day of physical rest. And one of the purposes is so that we might remember the Lord and the great works that he has done. In fact, Jesus knows this about us. He knows that we can be forgetful, which is why when we take the Lord's Supper, he says, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Did you know that the word remember shows up more than 220 times in the Bible? God is continually calling his people, remember, remember, remember. Why? Because we forget. We forget how God has worked in the past. Oftentimes we'll face a trial, a difficulty, a challenge, and we get discouraged. We're like, oh my goodness, I don't know if I'm going to get over this. How am I going to face this? And it's like the Lord is saying, remember, have you forgotten what I have done in your life? Do not forget what I have done to bring you to this point. Yes, you've got a big trial in front of you. Yes, this is going to be a challenge. Yes, this is going to be painful. I'm going to be with you. And as you go through this trial, remember what I have done for you. So Joshua has them build this monument so that future generations would remember. This is why the psalmist uh, Asaph in Psalm 78, he says in verses 1 through 8, the intentionality of the people of Israel to be teaching future generations uh, the law of God. He says, we will tell the coming generations the praiseworthy deeds of our God so that they might put their hope in him, even those who have yet to have been born. You see, this monument, as you see in the text, was designed for those who had not even been born yet. Westwood began 40 years ago for those who hadn't even been born yet. And yet God is faithful. And as we gather together today, it's a monument. It's a reminder, a memorial of what God has done. As a pastor, it's amazing all of the fears that you experience and all the challenges that you go through. And I have deep fears. What I have found as often as I vocalize them to people I know and I trust, those fears get smaller. God designed it that way. But this day is a reminder to me, this isn't my church. This is Jesus' church. He is faithful to his bride. And I gotta tell you, it is a joy for me for the Lord to say, Kenneth, this began a long time ago and it's gonna last a lot longer than you're gonna live. You see, the church is something that cannot be stopped Jesus promised that not even the gates of hell will prevail against the church. You and I are a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. Jesus is building his church, and today is a memorial saying, look what God has done. He is faithful to his church, and we are to remember what he has done. The fourth thing we see here in the text is the ministry 
of God that saves all people. Joshua here in verse 24, he gives the big why. This is why all this happened. Verse 24, this is so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. The Lord has performed this incredible miracle for the sake of the nations and for the sake of his people. This, mo- this moment at the river, it's been done so that all the peoples of the earth may know that he is the Lord. He is mighty to save. We, as a church, y'all, don't exist for us. We're not a country club. We're not trying to make something that's special about us. We don't exist for us. We exist for the nations and for our neighbors. We see there in verse 24, God did this work so that all peoples might know his power, so that all peoples might know his worth. You and I exist to reach people with the gospel, to point people to him that he is the one who is mighty to save. He is the one who is able to save to the uttermost. Right now, Jesus is on the move all over the world. You won't see it on your social media. You won't see it on your television. But please make note that right now he is on the move. And that is why you and I exist. For the sake of the nations and our neighbors, the people whom God has placed in our life, verse 24, that they might know his power. But did you notice the second part of why this miracle happened? It's so that my people, the Lord says, might fear me. And you and I would look at Joshua 4 and be humbled. We would not walk around with swagger and think this is about us. We are humbled and we see who he is in light of his perfection, in light of God's holiness, We know who we are as those who are broken and sinful, who have rejected him. And so at verse 24, it compels us to humble ourselves before him. And we fear him. And yet, praise God, the Lord sent a greater Joshua. The Lord sent his son who came to save, who came to rescue Jesus is the greater Joshua who came to lead 12 men who would become the 12 stones upon which the church would be built. Jesus is the greater Joshua who is leading us to the promised lands. There is a place where Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. He is going before us. And so this is what we look at here in the text, this greater Joshua who has come to rescue and to save. All right, so Kenneth, what are you calling us to? What, how do we respond? Well, it's the same way that charter members did 40 years ago. It's your impact point, it's this. Step out in faith and trust the Lord with your future. You heard Ron Johnson in the video mention the sacrifices that people made in order for the church to survive. They sold jewelry, they sold boats, took on second mortgages, just so that the church would make it. And by faith, they sacrificed and they prayed and they trusted the Lord and look at what he's done. And now, it's our turn. It is our turn as the younger generation 
for such a time as this, God has called us here to step out in faith and to trust him. To say, Lord, I'm trusting you with the future. I don't know what's on the other side of this river. I don't know what's on the other side of this obstacle. I don't know what's on the other side, but God, I know you're gonna be with me. And I know you're gonna go before me. And so I'm gonna step out in faith and trust that you are going to preserve and protect me the same way you did all the way back at the Jordan River. And we as a church can declare together that God is faithful from the Jordan River to Alabaster Boulevard. God is faithful. And right now, maybe you as a believer are facing a challenge. You're not sure what's on the other side. There's fear about the future, what's coming. Why don't we look at Joshua 4 and follow the leadership of those who've gone before us? And by faith, let's step out and trust the Lord. And let's make sure that we never forget.